friend of the Spirit is never alone indeed. This morning's text is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among the men, among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But but Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose. For it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last summer, my wife and the kids, we got in the minivan and we headed to Flagstaff, Arizona. We planned out almost to the second what we were going to do. We went to Flagstaff and then we, went, like, we, we drove through Hoover Dam. We saw the Hoover Dam thing. We saw the the um whatever yeah the Grand Canyon you ever heard of that and then we went over to this this crater this this where this thing meteor hit the earth and it's huge crater and planning on paper it looked really really fun and yeah people are giggling they know me but usually this story it was fun but it was more fun than I could possibly imagine because it was different 
we can plan out and we can think through and we can write all this stuff down on paper and we can hear all these things. But some things, a friend of mine always says things, some things can't be taught, they have to be learned. You know what I mean by that? I can tell you and I can write all about this stuff, but until you've experienced it, you don't know it. We had planned out this vacation. We got to the Hoover Dam and my mind was blown. It was gorgeous architecture. Larger than I possibly could fathom. Grand Canyon, I, 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 I sat on the edge of it and I said, I could sit here for two weeks and still not take it all in. And then the one that blew my mind, probably more than all the others, we went out to this thing where this thing hit the earth and it hit like 50 miles, million miles an hour and it's this huge crater. It's, it's gigantuan, and I was like, wow, I couldn't, that, that, that wasn't on the paper. The disciples, the apostles, they're all gathered up in this room, and they're waiting. Pentecost is 50 days, that's the Greek, it's 50 days. In the Hebrew, it's the Shavuot. It's a Jewish festival. The Jews were going to gather anyway for Shavuot, and they, that, they, they gathered there, they were gathered in this room, and they didn't know what was coming next. Thank you, Marilyn. That was exactly, I could have sat down after that children's message, you know. That's the, that's the message of this text. This is the birthday of the church. Happy birthday, church. Like I opened the service with. Five minutes before now, there wasn't a church. Five minutes after, there was. This is the incarnation of the Holy Spirit. This event changes everything. Of all the scripture texts, all the narrative, this is where I would want to be. I'd rather see this than the resurrection. I'd rather see this than the Noah's flood. I'd rather see this than creation. God coming down like a rushing wind. Now, back to my, my illustration of you planning all this out and we don't know what is going to happen. They're in here and they're, they're, they're celebrating this Jewish festival, Shavuot. And that festival was the end of har- it was the beginning of harvest time they'd done all the work now we get a bunch of food and we get together and we and we we feast it's party time god has provided in amazing amazing ways and they're they're gathering and thinking god has provided three square meals and they, i got roof over my head this is amazing and Jesus said a little while ago, something bigger is coming, but they have no idea it's coming now. They don't know when it's coming, and they don't know what it's going to look like. So they're gathered together, and they're celebrating the harvest. It's also the celebration. So that's like the, the, the cultural celebration of Shavuot. But the religious significance is it's the celebration of giving of the law. Do you remember when we didn't know what God's name was? They're sitting around talking about this. Do you remember we didn't know who created this world and what we were created for? That all changed. God met Moses on the mountain. Moses walked down with these stone tablets and began this answer to the Abrahamic covenant that someday there will be more descendants that are called my people, then there are stars in the sky. 
So they're gathered in this room and they're celebrating this Jewish festival. In comes a mighty wind. A violent wind. It's, it's, it gets windy. And in comes tongues of fire. This is told so we're supposed to visualize. This is before Spielberg. This is before you know Jurassic Park. We're, this is an amazing snapshot of what, what happens when God in God's self, comes and dwells among His people. Fire. What? Everybody's sitting around going, oh my goodness. They start speaking in tongues. They start speaking in separate languages. They start speaking in all these wild tongues. But it's like recognizable. People can translate. A guy named Reinhold Niebuhr says right here is the redemption of culture. Way back, way back in the Old Testament, there was this thing called the Tower of Babel. You remember it? They started, the, the, every, all the humans got too cocky and they started to build this tower and they wanted to outbuild everybody and they wanted to build the tower of the heavens. And God said, hey, cut it out. Comes down and says, now you guys are all going to speak separate languages all these different cultures are going to come between you and you're going to be divided. Much like the fall of humanity in the garden. Adam and Eve, separated from each other, separated from God. Tower of Babel, culture, separated from each other, separated from God. Enter Pentecost, redemption of culture, now we're with each other. Redemption back to God. We're with each other, with God. Boom. Think about that for just 10, ten seconds. Amazing. God is in me. God is in you. God, Jim, me and you. Got the same God inside of us. Cindy Metcalf way in the back, trying to avoid people. We got the same God inside of us. Chinese background. White bread background. Same Holy Spirit. Same God inside of us. We have no reason to be in the same room together other than Jesus the Christ. Other than the Holy Spirit coming inside all of us and drawing us together to make the world go, what is this room about? We have, we have 89-year-old people and we have babies. And they all love each other for some strange reason and it's all, it's all confusing to me. This text says the reason is we have the same God in each of us. God sent the Holy Spirit to be in us, with us, as a church. Boom. So there's the event. I like to break the text up into three things. First, there's the event. Second, there's those people's reaction to the event. And then third, Peter gives his first sermon to the church. And we only get first half of it because the rest of the chapter is the second half of Peter's first sermon to the church. So the event blown everybody's mind. Everybody, all the people around are saying, whoa. What's going on there? 
These people had just gathered to celebrate harvest, celebrate the giving of the law. Tongues of fire show up. Wind that is blowing everything around. And people are speaking in languages and passerbys are understanding. Wow, this person's speaking in my native... There's no way that that person right there has been to my hometown. Why are they speaking my language and telling me about this risen Lord and the power of God in my tongue? N.T. Wright says, this is the challenge of this text. This is the confrontation. This passage is the question. Have our churches today got enough energy, enough spirit-driven new life to make onlookers any comment at all? To make onlookers any comment at all? Has anything happened which might make people think we are drunk? If, it, if not, is it because the Spirit is simply at work in other ways? Or because we have so successfully quenched the Spirit that there is actually nothing happening at all? N.T. Wright says this is the question of this text. Is our, commun- is our community uncommon enough? Are we accepting enough? Are we doing anything outside the box so much so that people around San Marino think we're drunk? If not, is the Spirit moving in a new way? Maybe, he's, maybe the Spirit's moving in a new way in San Marino. That's a possibility. Another possibility, N.T. says, is maybe we're quenching the Spirit. How could we be possibly quenching the Spirit? I love John Ortberg's book, The Me I Want to Be. Don't like the title, because it sounds like a help, self-help book that, I don't know. I just don't like the title. That's, I should have kept that inside my head. But in it, he says, this, 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 this concept that unlocked it for me. I had always thought, I don't speak in tongues. I don't dance around. Well, sometimes I do dance around. But that's fun. But I, I don't do flashy stuff. Maybe I'm quenching the Spirit. He said this in The Me I Want to Be. What makes you a spiritual person isn't all this flashy stuff. What makes you a spiritual person is the same thing that makes you a car person. You talk about that which you want to be. What he means by that is, I become a spiritual person by mentioning the Holy Spirit. Not by trying to dance. Not by trying to do, speak in tongues. I become a spiritual person by talking about the Holy Spirit whenever I see the Holy Spirit at work. The same way a person who becomes a car person starts talking about cars all the time. You know, like you, you, at that car show, everybody talks about the 1939 Ford and the, all these things. You, you, there's people in this room that are car people and they know way more than that. I'm sounding really stupid to them right now. But there's football people, there's, there's basketball people, there's ice skating people, there's Eugene Sy, the Sy family. They'll tell you about ice skating, they'll tell you about hockey. They'll tell you about Dodgers. You know, you, you got a bunch of Dodgers people in this room. You talk about Dodgers a lot. You become Dodgers people by talking about the Dodgers a lot, right? Don't you? Amen? 
Yay or nay? I don't know. You people are awake? Yes or no? A plus or B? I should sit down. Okay. Never mind. You become a spiritual person by saying, that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. You start talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. Maybe we are quenching the Spirit because we're not talking about the Holy Spirit very much around here. I saw the Holy Spirit draw some high schoolers together to go encourage another high schooler who played at the House of Blues this week. I saw the Holy Spirit move and work through me as I went back to Forest Home a couple weekends ago and I got to lead worship at a place that I worked for for five years and never got to lead worship. But I was up on stage in Hormel Hall and I was leading the congregation in worship and I felt the Holy Spirit say, circle complete, my brother. I'm using you. Yes, Jason, you fail a lot. Yes, you make mistakes, but for some reason, I'm going to use you like a battery empowers a flashlight, and I'm going to shine through you, and I'm going to lead this congregation, of, of the small congregation up here in the hill, to, to praise the name of the Lord. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. That's how we become spiritual. Then you got your third part. And last week, Oh, I also wanted to note, next week we're going to be talking about the, the, the train of his, it's the Isaiah passage, when Isaiah walks into the room and he sees the Lord, which is Jesus, seated on the throne, in his throne, and his robe fills the, the room with glory. Same, same word in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Holy Spirit filled the room. The Holy Spirit filled the room. There wasn't a corner in there that you could hide. The Holy Spirit's for all of us. You may think, no, it's not for me. <laughs> Ray Anderson used to close every, uh, a lot of classes, not every class, but he used to always say, remember as you go out this week, God always trumps your no with his yes. There isn't a corner that you can hide in. Holy Spirit, boom, comes on us. Boom, we're... The people react, we're challenged. Hey, let's talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Then we get Peter addressing the crowd. And last week, I, I, I gave a sermon about the in-between time. It was the chapter right before this. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you power. Takes off. Peter huddles the, the apostles together and he says, okay, let's go to Scripture. Let's go to the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead, that should never leave our mind, the resurrection, and then let's pray. And so my whole sermon was just impressed by Peter's actions during the in-between time. Once again, Peter impresses me. It's as if they've just shown up to the Grand Canyon and it's, a million times bigger and just different. Maybe it's blue instead of what you thought it was going to be. And Peter is confounded. The Old Testament has been saying that Jesus, that the Messiah is going to roll in and the Messiah is going to look like David and he's going to turn the world upside down. The poor are going to be rich. The rich are going to be poor. And there's going to be dancing and singing forever. 
The Messiah is going to usher in the new kingdom. Jesus was dropping hints the whole time saying, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to quite look like that. There's going to be a messianic age, a, a, a spirit age, a spirit of the Holy Spirit, a, an age of the Holy Spirit, where it's not all going to come at one moment. I'm going to come as Messiah, and then I'm going to set up my kingdom, but it's here but not yet. And he'd given parables all the way around, like all through his ministry, he'd been talking about how this kingdom is wheat among weeds. We're here, we're in the kingdom once we say Jesus is king, but all of the triumphal stuff is still waiting for that second, that second coming. And so Pentecost hits, and Peter has, Peter has to do a lot of major theology on the fly. Because they were thinking this Messiah was going to bring in everything. And then when he died, he was like, what, what was that about? And then he rose from the dead and he said, there's going to be a spirit time. And he's like, whoa, what's that about? And then the spirit falls on him and God is incarnate in, on the earth. And Peter's like, whoa, what's this about? Like what? And then he clicks. This is that. This is that. Joel talked about it back in the day. This is that. This is the beginning of that. There's going to be an in-between time. And Jesus is going to give us the Holy Spirit. And God's going to give us a, a part of Himself. Part of His own triune self. And that triune part of Himself is going to keep us until the second part when all the triumphal stuff kicks in. But we are living right when Joel was talking about. Joel was talking about the coming of the King and the King setting everything right and a call to repentance. A call to fall on your knees. A call to take yourself off of the throne of your own life and put the King of Kings, Lord of Lords on it. And so he ends with this long quote from Joel. And that's just the first part of his sermon. And he unpacks that quote and says, this is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. But note, where we're left with is the powerful voice right at the end at verse 21. Read that again. Then everyone, 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 man, woman, child, free, every culture, every age, everyone, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on the name of the Lord. When in doubt, when confused, when things have happened and you don't know what end is up. When you've just been rocked by a wave and you don't know where to go, call on the Lord. And you will be saved. Now, I'm going to end with three questions. One. Are you allowing the Spirit of the living God into your life? All corners of your life.
every inch of your being? Are you inviting the Spirit to be in and work through you when you're at Ralph's? When you're at your job? When you're disciplining your children? When you're going out to lunch with your family? Are you talking about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit on your tongue? From Peter's example. When, you, when you're confused, do you open your Bible? When's the last time you sat down in a chair or somewhere and opened your Bible? And three, are you looking to others or are you looking to yourself or are you calling on the name of the Lord to save you on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis? Amen.